I've already seen in 2023 the shift of bigger brands. They're no longer relying on Google Ads. They are wanting to invest their money into a strategy instead, into an SEO strategy, because their money is better spent. They're going to get a much better long-term impact for the business. That's Sarah Jane Vincent, SEO expert and digital strategist. With 15 plus years of industry experience, she's worked with some of the world's leading brands and has won many awards for her work. Like me, she likes to see how everything connects in your marketing process so that you can get the best results possible. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we get under the hood of SEO and help you prioritize where you should pay attention first in your digital strategy. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. Today, I thought it was time to talk a little bit more in the depths of digital strategy and modern marketing and where things are going, and specifically about SEO and digital strategy, because I think it's such an important starting point for when you're looking about how to increase sales, conversions on your website, et cetera. And it was time we talked about it. So I want to introduce you to SEO extraordinaire person, Sarah Jane Vincent. Welcome, Sarah Jane. Hi, Fanola. How are you? Thanks very much for inviting me on your podcast. Very excited today. <laughs> well, it's time we talked about it, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely. Cool. So, what I'd like to do is start by getting a little bit better, a bit of background about you. How does one come to digital strategy? How does one come to the space of SEO? Okay, so I I kind of got into this business um, a couple of jobs that I had in the past. They were very interesting jobs. Um, I was at the forefront of AI technology. Very, very exciting. When it first came out, I was working in UCD. Um, and then um, I ended up moving back down to Wexford to care for my mum. She was ill. So with that, it was kind of limited in terms of what jobs I could really have. Um, I, I was still working in, I was actually doing kind of SEO, social media management um, and website management for a local business. But when I had my daughter, to be honest, the, the, the fees of childcare kind of outweighed <laughs> working for somebody else. So it really gave me the push up the backside that I needed. Um, and I had all these skills um, that I had learned over the years. I was very, very lucky um, in terms of who I got to work with. Um, so I just said one day, well, let's, it's now or never. So off I went and I started um, my business. And it, um, it actually started off as a digital marketing agency. So that's the route I originally took. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really, um, it was really fun. It was great to kind of, it was very thrilling to kind of get to work with all these really cool businesses. Um, and then I started branching out and I had contractors. I was working with um, a team. So I had different, different people. And so, um, I, I suppose my, uh, coming back to the digital strategy and SEO side of things, how I kind of delved into where I am today was actually, um, I've been in business now myself for about six or seven years. And I was always asked the same kind of questions, which were, how do I get visible online? How do I get more traffic to my website? How do I get more online sales? Those were the, always the kind of questions um, that I seemed to get asked. And so when the pandemic hit, um, that was kind of the, the turning point for me because the majority of my clients were um, the hospitality, the travel and the tourism. Yeah. So they were the three biggest hit um, uh, niches, shall we say. Mm. Um, and so literally overnight, I went from having a thriving business 
to basically having maybe five, ten percent of my clientele wow. left. Wow. So it was a very, very scary time for me. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, people started reaching out to me, um, because obviously a lot of the local businesses they weren't really on, they weren't really on board in terms of they didn't have websites ready. They were trying to do click and collect, and they just they weren't digi- digitized. Is, mm. is the only way to describe it. So I was called in by Facebook and quite a few Amazon and they called me in to deliver online training um, on their behalf to really help and support the small businesses. So I got more heavy into doing the kind of digital strategy side, teaching them, you know, about um, why it's important to have an online visibility. And I suppose, as they say, the rest is is uh, history in terms of. But had you done had you done digital strategy before? Like, I knew you knew digital strategy. Okay, so. Oh yeah, yeah. So I have. Um, I I've done I've done everything in terms of when it comes to digital marketing. So digital strategy, Google advertising, Facebook ads, everything, every single thing. Um, and so I was very well versed in terms of. Um, you know, what, what a small business owner needed, um, and how they could kind of set up quickly and, and, um, get, get in the sales to, to ultimately save their, their livelihoods. Yeah. Wow. Did you feel the pressure of that? I didn't necessarily feel pressure. What I felt was, uh, compelled to really help these small businesses because, even to this day, and it's always been the case for me, I don't look at a client as they just need SEO. I look at the bigger picture. For me, I like to find out what's their long-term, like what's their long-term goal in life? You know, have they, you know, without getting too personal, but are they, you know, are they paying off a mortgage? Are they, um, you know, is this a family-run business that they tend to hand over to somebody like, is this their livelihood? Is this is what they're, they're, you know, is putting food on their table? Um, so it, it's always gone much um, deeper for me. I think that really stems back to um, Fanola, if I may. Um, I used to live in the UK and I used to, one of the jobs I used to have um, over there was, I used to work for Peter Jones um, from Dragon's Den, the Entrepreneur Academy. And so I got to really get involved with, um, shall we say, um, young young people from all different walks of life who may not necessarily um, have have everything. Yeah, so they, they, they probably had a difficult background. And so showing them what's possible that they can um, earn, you know, they can put their talents to good use and that there's, it's not a glass ceiling in terms of income that they can, you know, really use their skills. Fair enough, they might not be academic, but if they have a talent, they can turn it into a business um, and they can, you know, they can, they can thrive. They can go from there and they can, they can thrive. So um, I suppose all of these kind of skills together really, really, um, I've such a passion for I've such as you well know I've such a passion for what I do, and I suppose my brain is wired that way. I think I was saying that to you before. Like I really understand the data and the numbers. I love this quote from our chat, which was, oh. <laughs> and I know you're going to cringe, but it was it's just so beautiful. It was I like I was born to digitize, Finola. <laughs> love it. But it's true. I really do feel like. Um, you know, def- definitely entrepreneurship was my path in life, 1000%, but particularly in, in the digital world. So it was teaching businesses how to get visible online, how to use AI, how to, you know, how to really turn your website into a profitable business um, machine, you know, a sales machine um, for you. Um, and obviously, as we've talked, and I will delve a little bit deeper, but you know, um, I was, I, I, I have had my fair share of health <laughs> problems. So, um, particularly, you know, when, when all this happened with COVID and I was helping a lot of businesses, um, the one thing that I, that I forgot to do, right, was help myself and help my business. 
So while my business disappeared essentially overnight, and um, yes, I was busy doing the consultancy and, and the training and stuff, but obviously, you know, now we're kind of out of the COVID um, era, shall we say. Um, I didn't really have my ducks in a row when it came to my business. So it was really important that I, um, and obviously, as you know, um, I ended up being uh, a yes person, not setting boundaries, running myself ragged. And I ended up getting very, very sick last year. So I ended up getting stage five burnout. And I didn't even realize that I had it. What actually surprised me, Sarah Jane, that other that perhaps other people don't realize either is that there are stages of burnout. I didn't realize that until you were speaking. Yeah, I didn't realize either. It was all very new to me. I just thought it was a buzzword, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I didn't, um, but the symptoms I had were, they were they were awful, awful, awful symptoms. Um, I was having really bad panic attacks, which is very unlike me, you know, because I'm usually very, shall we say, using it as... Uh, yeah, like I am very kind of, you know, it'll be grand, you know, um, but I just found that I was critiquing everything I did. Nothing was, my perfectionism went into overdrive and um, my uh, imposter syndrome went into overdrive um, and I just, yeah, I just, I was starting to really not enjoy doing what I was doing as well, which was probably... Um, I, I didn't know if I was ever actually going to come back from that, being honest. I, I really didn't. Um, I didn't know if I was going to come back from that feeling of, I just don't enjoy doing what I'm doing anymore. It makes me feel stressed. You know, that feeling when you're working for somebody and you dread having to go in to, to the job. That's how I was feeling in my business. Um, but I had lots of other symptoms as well. Um, but I didn't know they were yeah, symptoms. Yeah, either did I. It's also either really did I. Um, but yeah, it was it was the um, it was it was mainly the anxiety, the panic attacks, um, and the what's that word? You know, when when you go from being a glass half full to a glass a glass almost empty kind of person, and that's not usually you. That's that's kind of they were the kind of telltale um, signs. So I had to obviously, I had to slow it down. Um, I had to really think about how I wanted my business to feel. So I think this might be interesting actually for your listeners. A lot of the times people talk about, you know, having 5K months, 10K months, you know, aim for six figures, seven figures, la, 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 la. And that's what success means. But I tried all of that. Like obviously with my, I had a very successful um, agency, you know, I was working with top name brands. I was headhunted, top, top, top name brands. Um, but it wasn't sustainable, number one. Why wasn't it sustainable? Just out of curiosity. It wasn't sustainable because um, I suppose, how can I put this? The clientele that I had, like nobody could have envisaged a pandemic. Um, so I think there's still a knock-on effect with that now. And not only that, uh, Fanola, there's also, when we talk about SEO now as well, there's other kind of things that have come into play now when it comes to advertising and things like that. Um, budgets have been cut. You've got the cost of living crisis. All of these things, um, the way I had set up my business, um, I don't know. And I think this is where you, like your services are. Um, and we had this conversation. I think that, yes, I was really good at doing what, what I could do. I knew I, I knew how to do my thing, but maybe I didn't have my foundations in my business correct at that time. And um, that has since changed um, as a result. But what I did end up having to do was, um, and, and uh, what felt right for me was, um, and it was actually, <laughs> I went abroad last year. Um, so um, I'll talk about the other, the other personal thing in a moment. But um, last year I booked a holiday for myself and my daughter because I just needed a break. Um, so in October, as I mentioned to you, on top of having the stage five burnout, 
I found out that I, ha- I had a cancer scare. So I found out that I, ha- I had early stages um, and, uh, you know, that was just a blow of all blows. So talk about being kicked while you're down. Um, so uh, obviously on top of the state, the, the burnout and everything like that, um, I booked myself a holiday for my daughter. I said, I need to get out of here. I need some space. Um, and when I was sitting on the, <laughs> when I was sitting on the sun chair, watching my daughter playing in the pool, I really tried to figure out where, where I wanted to go with this business, what I wanted to do. And for some reason, the monetary, the monetary side of things just was not clicking with me. I still, at this point in time, did not have my mojo back with my business, didn't have it back was contemplating, is it worth me just going in and working for someone else and getting, you know, regular wage? But then I'm like, but I love being an entrepreneur and I love the fact that I get to work with such amazing people, but I don't know, I just don't have the my mojo anymore. It's gone. So I was listening to a podcast um, and they made this profound um, gesture, which was, how do you want your business to feel? And that was a light bulb moment for me. How do you want your business to feel? That resonated with me way more than I want to be earning 10K, 20K. Because it's like that saying, like money can't buy you happiness. So you can aim to go up the ladder and you can earn this amount and that amount and and everything. Yeah, yeah, it can certainly buy you short-term happiness. Yeah, you can buy nice things and you can do nice stuff. But ultimately, um, when all that's done and all that's been and gone, um, I definitely think as well, like when you have a health scare, it changes your perspective on things. That resonated with me so much more and that was a light bulb moment. And I wanted a business that felt less stressful, you know, there was there was a couple of things. Um, I'll tell you what, actually, if you like, I actually have some of the stuff written down. Maybe I'll read it to you because it might resonate. Very personal, but you know what? I think it would be uh, maybe maybe some of your listeners m- might resonate with this. So the question was, how did I want my business to feel? And I said, a business that feels easy, enjoyable, fluid, inspiring, and has simplicity where there's not a feeling of overwhelm or anxiety. And I want to have white space in my calendar. I want to have lots of creative time to create, you know, the different packages, templates and systems in my business. So when, for me, that was my light bulb moment. And so I think then what I said, there's a couple of other things, but I'm not going to go into those questions. But that was my light bulb moment of, okay, what I'm doing right now is not it's not working. It's not, again, I'm going down the non-sustainable path. Yes, I can do consultancy, but again, it's going to lead to burnout. It's ultimately going to lead to burnout. So when you said it wasn't sustainable, it was because you were just working like crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, Mm. yeah. So for me, um, it, it just wasn't a runner. Another thing was um, that I was working for um, an agency. Um, I was I was freelancing for them, and the biggest kind of learning that came from that was because I was working with them. Uh, I would I kind of like didn't really I didn't focus on my business because I got, I got lazy. It's the only way to describe it. I got lazy and I just thought, well, they're feeding me work. So that's fine. But then the problem starts when, when you rely on somebody like that and the cash flow is, you know, you're relying on them to, you know, there was a cash flow kind of problem. Just other things as well, like things where before I was going straight to the source, um, you know, again, it was a bit of the imposter syndrome still kind of creeping in there, but for example, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the companies that, that, that they, you know, like Fault Ireland or, you know, some of these, the big kind of um, larger groups. Uh, again, I just let my um, tender go with them and I just did it under this particular agency. And so that just became very stressful. I was doing three times the amount of work for a third of the price, essentially. So. When I was sitting on this, uh, as I said, when I was sitting on this sun lounger, 
it all became very clear that I really needed to shake things up. So I listened to um, I listened to what my kind of customers, I kind of relayed or re-listened to or rethought what my customers were always asking me. And it's kind of like all roads lead, all roads pointed to SEO and, and digital strategy. Um, as silly as it sounds. And I was really scared to niche down, Fanola. Oh my gosh, I really, really was scared to niche down. Why were you scared? Because everyone's scared of this. So why were you share that? Um, I think it was a case of, oh, what if I'm cutting out X amount of customers? Um, or, you know, what if I get bored? That was another one. What if I get bored doing the thing I'm doing? But you know what? The best thing I ever did and I know it sounds cliche because I listened to all the people before tell, telling me, niche down, niche down. Um, but I niched differently. So I niched not to an industry. I niched to a problem. That was the difference with me. And I actually, one of my clients there, they were having the same kind of issue and they weren't sure. And I, and I said this to them. So again, the problems that my specific clients were having where whether they were big, small, it didn't matter, where how do I get visible online? How do I get to the first page of Google? How do I get more website traffic and sales? How do I use social media to amplify, you know, my reach and get new followers and all of that stuff? So all roads led to that particular problem. And that is the problem that I now solve. Um, and the beauty of me niching down was, again, we live in the digital world the, there's so many changes that happen. So I always refer to the likes of Meta as a work in progress. It's always under construction. I might learn something one day and two days later, it might be gone or it might have moved or changed or the strategy is different or there's new something new after coming in. Another new shiny object like this uh, threads. Yeah, we haven't got it in, in EU yet, in, in Europe yet. So there's always these shiny object things. And what I was noticing was, yes, I, I was I was having to sit down at night and try and keep up with all these different platforms and all these different trends. Whereas now, since I've niched, now I'm very focused on, you know, yes, I do touch on the social media because I do have to know a bit, but it's not my bag, you know? So I don't teach people... I teach it as a strategy versus, well, this is how you lay out your Facebook page and this is how you create a reel. Or So I've gone way more into the strategy side of things because I'm a big believer in like long-term results. So, um, I, and we were laughing about this the other day. I never, um, I never jumped on the bandwagon of the trending audio or the pointing or the dancing or the changing thousand outfits. Like who has time for that? <laughs> you know? um, and I always say, you know, that meta is not designed for business owners. It's designed for creators. It's not designed for small business owners or business owners. They make their money from creators because their priority is to keep people on the platform so they can serve them ads. Okay. So it, clarify what you mean by a creator for people listening. So a creator is basically somebody who they get paid for creating content. So they have the time to sit there and do the, um, you know, five changes and the stand on a fancy road and do the pointing and find the trending noises and do all of this kind of stuff, which makes for you when you're scrolling and, you know, the, that thumb stopping kind of content because you actually get paid for that, you know? I mean, it's a very good perspective that mm. I like that thing. You made me think about this because you didn't say this to me before. And I really, it's really interesting that Meta is not made for small businesses. It's made for creators uh -huh. and falling into the trap of doing the little dances and the pointing and the showing and all that entertaining stuff. Waste of time. Mm. And that's and just to be because I think about what people will ask. Can we prove that statistically that if if a small business owner decided to do the jig, would it convert? Let me explain yeah, a better, let me explain a better use of your time. Yeah. So you can still use trending audio if you like, and you can still point to dance if that's, if that's your thing. Yeah. Cause some people genuinely like that, but what you could do is you could create, 
um, carousels or you could create reels with testimonials or you could have you in the background if you're a personal brand. So you're still strengthening your, your presence, but you're doing it in a much more strategic way, which is more relevant to your business. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're going to use that kind of stuff to ultimately send people to your website where they then can view your services and your offerings. And when it comes to SEO, that's where blogging comes in, podcasting, YouTube videos, um, email marketing. These are way better. These are all owned by you. Um, they're way better strategies, like in terms of your time, better ROI on them. Um, so it's just much more because if you think how much time would it take you to create one of those fancy reels, you put that up, it's gone within a matter of days. You know, it's, it's, that's it. Versus if you put that time into a podcast, if you put that time into a YouTube channel, if you put that time into a blog, that's going to last you months, even years down the line. And that's the beauty of SEO. Let's start with what is SEO for people? So sir, SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? And what it means is, is that you're using specific words that say your potential customers might be searching for on Google. And you're adding those words on your content, on your website um, and throughout strategically so that if a person types in Google that they're looking for potentially something that you offer, that, that the hope is, is that your product or your service, that, that essentially your website will appear in the search. And so where you want to be on that search is, because obviously it is very competitive. Um, and I've, uh, I'm going to answer a question now that I know most people ask. <laughs> you may not be aware of Fanola, but I will tell you. Um, and so ultimately what you want is you want to get onto the top of Google and up uh, on the first page of Google and up around the top, because that's where the money is at, right? That's that's generally where the, where you get the most clicks. Now, the question I always get asked is, yeah, but if there's X amount of brands, bigger brands, they have SEO agencies and they have this and they have that, that doesn't matter. If you put in the time and the effort into doing your SEO and you understand the rules, you understand what it's looking for, then you have, it's fair game. You have the opportunity to appear, to rank higher in uh, uh, just as just as much as, you know, bigger Joe blogs um, can. So um, just to note that if you if you haven't done SEO yet or you're you're thinking about doing it, um, it's such a smart move. And particularly in, I've already seen in 2023, the shift of bigger brands, even big name brands have come to me, like big travel agencies, they all came to me, um, even the half, the, the later half of this year. And they have, they're no longer relying on Google ads they are wanting to invest their money into a strategy instead, into an SEO strategy because their money is better spent. They're going to get a much better long-term impact for the business. Why? So this you need to explain to people. Why is SEO better than ads at the moment? So the, the reason is because you can do ads. Now, ads, ads definitely serve a place. Um, in in the digital space, okay? And they're really good for certain things. I'll explain in a moment. But once you turn off your ads, then the traffic stops, all right? So unlike SEO, organic SEO, if you spend time writing, creating blogs that are going to attract your ideal target market, okay? So there's different phases of, this, of the funnel, the sales funnel. You've got your awareness phase at the top. You've got your consideration phase in the middle, and then you have your... Uh, purchase phase or your or your um, conversion phase um, at the bottom, right? So say, let's say, for example, somebody's looking for a TV, right? Say you're someone who sells a TV. <laughs> In the awareness phase, somebody might be looking at what's the best TV for this or that or blah, blah, blah. If you have a blog written about that, you know, where you're comparing TVs, for example, that person lands on your blog. Well, you've answered their question, Right. So you've captured them. That's the awareness phase. They didn't necessarily know who you were. The consideration phase then, once you've got them on your website, then they can have a little nosy around. They might even then go over to your social media channel because we are programmed to know that the latest kind of updates usually take place on social media. 
So that's how you then grow your following. And that's where you do need to post on social media. But this is how it kind of the ecosystem, shall we say, when it comes to the sales funnel and, and SEO. Basically, that's where you get to build the know, like and trust factor, which is super, super important. And again, it works where you're providing value, you're writing, you know, reviews or you're uh, so you're sharing reviews, which is like social proof to show people have had a really good experience um, with with your brand. Again, on social media, you might put your latest offers up and then eventually once they've kind of got to know who you are, whether they vibe with you and, and, you know, you as a brand, then comes the conversion stage where they then will kind of either pick up the phone or they'll fill out a contact form or they'll purchase the product. All right. So when you're doing SEO, when you're creating blogs, that's how powerful they can be. So that's how like YouTube channels and, you know, that content is around for like months, years versus if you do an ad. Now, the beauty of doing ads is if you've already worked on your SEO, yes, if you've put in the time and you've, you've done all your work, Basically, ads then can help you amplify that. So if you have like, say, what we have now, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you can then supplement your sales funnel by using ads, by using the likes of Google ads or Facebook ads. Again, if you're a new business um, and you're looking for data and you don't really have what we call a digital footprint, you know, you don't, you've only just got a brand new website and things like that. Ads are great for that because they get you onto the first page of Google. They help with the brand awareness lift. They give you data because again, if people are clicking on it, you can retarget to those people later on down the line. You get all of that really, really good stuff. Here's a question for you. So there's a lot of tools out there and a lot of people would would be quite familiar with them in terms of keyword searching. You've got Google keyword search, you've got Uber Suggest, you've got um, Answer the Public, or answer yeah, answer the public loads of them right so you so you're a you're um service based business or something like that and you specialize yeah. in say like so for example my planning program is coming out at the moment if i yeah. put in planning planner plan all these kind of phrases into uber suggest or into uh into answer the public what comes back is this enormous yeah. amount of results of all the phrases possible. And when you look at them, when you actually see all of those phrases, you're sitting there going, do I really have to do 50 million blogs to actually nail this <laughs> keyword? How does one decide? Okay, so the easiest and smartest way for you to do something like that is what we call um, like building out a topical, a topical content map. Sounds kind of scary, but it's not. So what you're going to do is say you have three or four services. All right. Um, you're basically going to uh, separate those. So so think of it like a, the easiest way is think of it like a, a, a bubble, you know, like a word bubble or something like that. Put your product in the middle. And then again, you will use those tools, but not every single one of those um, words or phrases is going to be relevant to your business. Okay, so you've got to be one of the tricks, especially when it comes to SEO, is you want to use what we call the long tail keywords, which are basically it's, it's more like a short sentence, shall we say. So it's very, very, very specific. Okay, so um, it could say, for example, if it's a, a, a planner for busy moms, yeah, um, that's very, very specific to who to who that is. Um, and so the more targeted you can get, they're much better keywords for you to be using. But you have to, so the whole point of you doing the blogs is, number one, you can use them as content um, on your social media, in your emails, on your podcasts, all of that kind of stuff. But number two, what that will do is it will position you as an expert, both in Google's eyes, because it will have no it'll have no choice but to consider you as an expert in, in the eyes of Google. Um, and that means if, it was, if, if Google sees you as an expert, it's going to bring your blog posts into like the top of search, into the, you know, the, the questions, all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
So in terms of tools, do you want me to tell you a few tools that I would recommend? Because it can be very overwhelming, the amount of tools. So I don't actually recommend the Google Keyword Planner. Um, I think it's very, (laughs) very, um, shall we say? Okay. Faffy is the only word I can think of. Because you have to you have to sign up for a Google Ads account and then, you know, and even if you're not doing Google Ads. So it's a bit of a pain. So what I would recommend is there's a really great Chrome extension tool called Keywords Everywhere. And Keywords. basically that works in a similar way to the keyword planner, okay. but it's way easier to use. So when you do a search from your Google, it'll actually tell you the keywords up on the right hand side. So it'll pull all the information up on the right hand side for you. Um, so that's a way, way easier tool to use. Another Fantastic. tool, as you've mentioned already, Ubersuggest. Ubersuggest is amazing. It's very simple and straightforward and easy to use. It's free and they also have a lifetime offer as well. And um, depending on how into your SEO you are, um, but it's well worth it. They also have an AI writing tool uh, built within Ubersuggest. Um, I've tested it. I actually find it really, really good. So I would highly recommend that as well. There are loads of tools out there, but the whole thing is, is you can get very overwhelmed with SEO, right? Um, you kind of, you need to keep it simple in terms of the two tools, as I said, that I would start off using. Um, if Particularly if you're a beginner, would be the Chrome extension I mentioned um, and also Ubersuggest. Then in terms of research tools, I think um, Answer the Public is a good one, but there's another one that's just even as good because Answer the Public can actually be very repetitive and it can be a little bit overwhelming for people. So try use the Also Asked one. The People Also Asked is another great one. And what's good about that is these are real real questions that users are actually asking and searching in a Google search, okay? So it's really, really simple. Um, it's really, really simple to use and you're, you'll be able to create um, a ton of relevant content um, using those kind of tools. Here's another question for you. So I think what you were referring to earlier is like kind of clustering content of to actually, so figuring out what that, key phrases and then writing multiple articles and stuff around that so you actually get this cluster of knowledge that you're the expert in the space yeah I do know a little but here's my question for you which is I think would be useful for people to know say you've nailed that this is this these are the three phrases that actually point to all of my work I want to be known for these three things these are my three pillar uh, content phrases I want to be known for. For people listening, how many articles do you feel they should be writing for that for them to own a cluster or make headway into a cluster to give them a perspective on it? I I definitely think that here's the thing. It's not so much about quantity anymore. It's about quality. That's the difference. Okay, so it's not about you going on to the likes of ChatGPT and saying, hey, ChatGPT, write me 50 blog posts uh, on X, Y, and Z, and then just copying and pasting and shoving it up there. Because Google is way, 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 way too smart for that kind of stuff now. So what I will tell you is um, when it comes to Google, and I, and I will come back to your point, but when it comes to Google, there is a, what we have like a score kind of criteria. So there is a ranking factor, but there's this other thing as well, which is called EAT. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. It's an acronym. It's E-A-T. Recently, in the last six months, um, or could even be a little bit before then, Google have added an extra, t- an extra E in this. So it stands for, um, I have to remember them all now, um, experience, Right, that's the new one, experience. All right, and I'll teach you a quick, a few quick tips on how to overcome that. Expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. So they're the four key components that Google is really looking for. So when you know that, and there's another another algorithm um, update that happened recently in the last few months, again, as a result of AI, okay? 
it's more about um, making the, the, the content quality for the users. All right. And so that's why they added the extra E because that comes down to experience because any Joe blogs can go onto ChatGPT and ask for 50 blogs. However, the real deals, yeah, the people like yourself and myself that have many, many years experience, we are like seasoned professionals in our industry. That's how we will stand out because we may use AI to help us um, lay out the blog, yeah? But then we're going to go back in ourselves. We're going to use our own tone of voice and we're going to be able to add in our own experience, um, like, you know, certain tips and tricks. And that's what's going to make you stand out amongst the noise um, where somebody has literally copied and pasted. I love that. I love that. I actually didn't know that. So I really appreciate you sharing that I'm with everyone. I'm full of useless information <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, no, it's really powerful because what when all the conversations were ha being had about yeah. ChatGPT and AI and all of that, one of the key things that people kept coming back to was, yes, but AI has not lived your life, has not had your experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm actually really encouraged that that's actually Google has now embraced yeah. that. Concept. So it has. And so the thing is not to be afraid of AI, because let me tell you, it's here to stay. It's going to get even more powerful and from an SEO standpoint of view, looking down the line, I've already seen the future of what a search engine is going to look like. So I've already seen the, the future search engines. And so now more than ever, and I cannot stress this enough, is really the time to lean in to organic SEO strategies. It's like if, if you're thinking on doing something in 2024 to up your business game, is to invest your time and your efforts into an organic long-term strategy. So whether that is uh, optimizing your website um, for SEO and um, making sure that the you know you've got your key, proper keywords in throughout your um, throughout all of your contents, being very um, creating a, a content strategy in terms of creating your topical clusters. And then writing content around um, your specific products or services to draw in um, uh, customers, potential customers. Whether it's um, so, link building is really important. So today, for example, like here I am on your podcast. Again, I know that that's going to be a really uh, useful um, link for me when it comes to SEO. So it's it's the outreach. It's if you're, you know, outreaching to other blogs and um, that are relevant to the, the services or offers that you do, again, does that align with your audience? Can you reach out to them and, and ask if you can guest post? And um, again, that's going to bring a link back. Um, and that was yeah. huge. Like 10 years ago, it was huge link building. So it's, it's very, very important. Links are such an important um, ranking factor when it comes to SEO, as well as quality content, quality content. It's not about you throwing out four blogs a week. It's about having a really good piece, even if it's like a really long guide, something that's really juicy, really, really helpful for for the for the reader um, or or the listener, um, that's what's going to help you outrank your competitors online. That's what's going to be the difference between you coming up, appearing in a search, um, and getting the clicks and the sales versus um, somebody else down the line who is just trying to cheat the system um, and uh, you know whatever they're doing, like black hat SEO techniques or any of that kind of stuff. So. Um, yeah, uh, like it, it's definitely, um, it, it's definitely really, really important. I, do you know what might actually be really good for you um, if we want to do it towards the closing? I have actually the top 10 or the top 10 kind of SEO, um, important SEO steps. Let's do that. Yeah. So um, I also have as well, as, uh, as you saw, I have a really good guide on my website and we're going to link to that in the show notes right but this now is so these are the top 10 that you want to be doing for 2023 and 2024 the top 10 ranking factors for 2023 slash 2024 
Number one is high quality content, right? Number two is backlinks. Number three is search intent and content relevancy. So this goes back to, as I mentioned, there's different types of intent. You have the research phase, which is like how to or which is best. That's what we call, you put them in the awareness um, phase. So if you can answer those questions in your um, blogs, absolutely, really, really, really important for you to do that. Again, if it's relevant. So another little trick is, you know, you can add in things like the number, the, the latest year. So 2023, 2024, that, as silly as it sounds, because that's relevant for that year, and Google's primary focus is to offer timely, relevant, um, accessible information. So that that's how you'll be able to, another little kind of trick that you'll be able to outrank your competitors. But you just have to remember that if you are using that as a strategy, is to go back in year on year, update that blog and change the year over. Yeah. So just... So you wouldn't, you just to be clear for everybody, you wouldn't write a new article. You'd actually just change the year on that and just use the same article. You could use the same article as long as it's relevant, but there will be times where you need to update it. So say, for example, like I have a, an article that I spent a lot of time on on my website. It's the Google Analytics 4. It's a beginner's guide. I spent a long time doing that because it's very, very thorough, very, very long. Now, majority of that is relevant. It's still relevant in 2024. However, there are a couple of changes now where I will go back in in 2024 and I will just add those changes in because I know that that particular blog drives a lot of traffic to my website. So you would you would really be updating the blogs that you see are driving a lot of traffic or leads or sales um, to your website. And how you find that information is if you use a tool called Google Analytics, it's a free tool. In there, you can see your top 10 pages. And you, if you know, if, if you, if you think that there's a, a specific blog bringing in or you're not sure, you can go in there and have a look and it'll tell you your top, your top 10 performing pages. They're the pages that you want to focus on, prioritize, because they're your kind of high traffic um, web pages, shall we say, that are um, that are generating clicks, views, consideration, all of all of the good stuff that we're looking for. And um, so the other thing then again, which is is uh, really important, is number four is your website loading speed, and uh, number five is mobile friendliness. Uh, number six is your domain authority. Number seven is keyword optimization. Eight is website structure. Nine is website security. And 10 is like the on-page experience as well. So what you will kind of see towards the end is actually the way your website is laid out. And this is something that we were discussing the other day, right? The website is, is a hugely important ranking factor when it comes to SEO because it needs to be optimized for mobile, really important. It needs to load fast because um, there's nothing worse than going onto a website and you're waiting around for a page to load. And majority of times you'll just click off that and then you've lost a potential sale and you just don't want that to happen, you know? So um, it's like your website structure is really, really, really important. So how you lay out your website, what pages you have, the order in which you have them, all of those things are really, really, really important. Because you want your customers to find the answer to their question as fast exactly. as possible with the least well, amount of Well, think of it like a physical mm. store, right? Say if you go into, mm. we'll say Brown Thomas, yeah? It's that whole experience you know, the outside looks lovely. Then when you go inside, there might be a host, you know, telling you to go left or right, or there's signposts telling you if this is available, you know, or this section is this, that section is that. Um, and then obviously throughout, you've got like lovely, wonderful customer service throughout as well. It's that whole experience that you're trying to get across on your website. So if, if websites are super, super powerful, especially now when it comes to the, the world of online marketing. They are your online store. It is your sales machine. It really needs to be taken care of 
um, invested in, it's super important because digital is here to stay. It's going to get uh, even more, you know, it's going to advance even more down the line. Should we, heaven forbid, ever have another pandemic or something, at least you will be ready where your business, you can still take sales and, you know, you can still, you can still do business should your doors have to shut. Yeah. And so don't underestimate the power of, of a really good website. Um, But I'd also say to you, don't underestimate even without um, a pandemic, I don't think people realize the power of their own websites. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've had a, I haven't had many now, but I've had a couple of conversations throughout my time doing what I'm doing where I've kind of, the person is like, we've got a website, but it's just up there. It's just, you know, it's just there. But we sell products in store, we sell blah, 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 blah. Um, But they kind of miss, miss the point the point is your online brochure it's your online it's your online physical store you know so it's really really important what i'd like to ask you then is what if if someone was to walk away from this conversation with one key message what would you leave them with today i suppose like my my slogan is that i transform um how people approach online marketing yeah so that's my slogan and so for me what my biggest takeaway my biggest key takeaway is don't don't get your head in in it is the next shiny object there's always going to be shiny objects there's always going to be you know like twitter is going to release this or x twitter x instagram is going to release this meta blah 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 blah. right what i what i would like you to do is think more long-term strategies where you're going to put the work in now and you're going to reap the rewards months, years down the line. So whether you are, um, you know, whether you are somebody who sells courses and, um, you know, YouTube is a great platform for you. And um, when somebody's trying to learn how to do something, they, they'll stumble across you. And um, also you can monetize off of your YouTube channel as well. Like you can actually get paid um, for X amount of views on your YouTube channel. Um, it's it's a marketplace there of hundreds of people actively looking for your your products or your services. Again, if you're um, you know, like say a creative business, and um, you know, whether you sell like crafts or anything like that, Pinterest, Pinterest is an amazing, amazing and highly, highly, highly underutilized platform. Pinterest, people go on there looking for inspiration, and you know, again that can drive traffic to your website for months, even years. So if you do gift guides or um, all kinds of things, you can, that can sit on Pinterest and that can help you attract customers from all around the globe, all around the globe. And it's highly underutilized, as particularly in Ireland, um, but it, it's such a powerful, powerful platform. And podcasting, again, podcasting is a really, really, um, it's really, really good because again, you're, you're touching somebody on a more intimate level, but what you can actively do with the podcast is when you upload them onto your website, you can then create a blog to accompany that podcast. Um, and you're getting your, you're getting an opportunity to put your keywords within that blog. And again, that's where you're able to drive traffic to the website um, and then ultimately lead to, you know, your lead magnet or book a strategy call or this or that um, down the line. So it's been really, really, really strategic um, about, you know, your your ultimate, your sales funnel. If you're going back to basics, you're thinking, you know, uh, as I said, big, 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 big name brand, not going to name who it is, but it's a, it's a very well-known travel company. And um, they recently reached out to me. I know they were spending tens of thousands on Google ads, tens of thousands on Google ads. Their strategy has had to change because they're not getting the footfall. Now what they're doing is they're going to allocate some of that money towards SEO because they're going to get a better bang for their book. Much, much better bang for their book. 
So if you are advising a company, right, who's starting their digital strategy for the first time, would you get them to start with SEO, ads or social media? What order would you place them in? None of those. (laughs) My my first and ultimate strategy, all roads lead to your website. All roads lead to your website. That is your foundation. You've got to get that right first. So I've often turned clients away because their website has made up to scratch. There's no point in you doing SEO on a really crap website. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a ranking factor. It's a ranking factor. So all of your hard work and your effort will technically go to waste. So I like to work backwards. I like to check the website first, make sure that, um, you know, anything that can be anything that can be um, optimized is optimized. So I think about the customer's journey and what kind of things they might be looking for, whether it's testimonials or sales pages or contact pages, FAQ pages, blogs, all of that information. I check and make sure that that's all up to scratch. Then. Then I start working on my, um, I, I recommend people working on their SEO in terms of visibility. So that's when you would start working on your foundational um, SEO, which is making sure you have all your correct tracking in place so that you can see what's working and what isn't working and local and international SEO. So that's again, you know, your Google My Business profile, particularly if you are a local business and um, It's getting the keywords in, doing all of your meta titles and meta descriptions, so how you would appear in a search on Google. And then, then you start working on, okay, now we've got that. Now what we'll do is we'll write some blogs or we'll do something, something, and then we'll use that as the basis of how we'll repurpose that content on our social media channels where we're ultimately driving people back to the website. So that, that would be, the, that is the strategy. I don't know if, if other people are talking about that. But that is, no, no, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. Get your that I, website telling the story. Yeah, yeah. That is because you're driving people back to an asset that you own. Yeah. Versus, um, I've seen this happen recently, a very, very well-known money guru, uh, super well-known, she's Australian. She has a huge, or shall I say had, a huge um, uh, Facebook group. She had like 30, 40,000 people in this group. And overnight, Meta took, they, they closed, closed down her group. And she essentially lost her connection with all of those people. And that her business ran on that group. She did all of her training in that group, you know, via Zoom and stuff. You know, she'd do a lot in there. This is, and there's so many glitches, so many glitches on on the social medias because they're always working on them. You've got to, you know, it goes back to what I said. Like I neglected my business because I was taking care of other people's businesses now what I do is I have a CEO day, as I mentioned, that's on a Monday. And that's where I build out um, things for, for my business, whether that's creating content, writing blogs, um, setting up sales funnels, enhancing my website, all of those things are uh, really, really, really important. But um, yeah, it, it's like, do not underestimate the power of a website. And you are going to need that like into the future. It's so such a powerful, powerful tool. Um, And it's not about you spending a fortune on a website. It's not about that, but it's making sure that you're going with. So in in terms of like what I would recommend websites, I always recommend um, WordPress, number one, because that allows you to grow with, with your business. So say down the line, you decide you want to open a membership or you want to add blogs or you want to do this or that. You can add all of these plugins um, onto a WordPress website. Yeah. So it's really good. It's very customizable and it's a great option. Right. But there are some caveats as well, you know, that there's maintenance and there's bits and bobs. Another great platform I would recommend is Squarespace. 
and Squarespace have recently launched their new course platform as well. So again, beautiful, they're beautiful looking websites and it's an all in, well, kind of an all in one platform in terms of you don't have to worry about your security, which is your SSL cert. And you you don't have to worry about updating plugins. So if you just want a handy, uh, shall we say all in one platform, that is another great option. Whether you're a service-based business or um, you sell courses uh, or you sell um, products. Um, and then the third is Shopify. So Shopify is great because you can hook up really, really simple. It integrates beautifully with Pinterest and ads, everything. It, it just, it's a really seamless um, and it's great if you sell products um, or if you were a business, um, you know, even if you were like a cafe, um, again, Shopify is really, really good. Um, or if you're a little, uh, like a local shop that sells, um, you know, even if it's click and collect, all, excuse me, all of those tools that you need are already integrated and you just, it's literally a click of a button and you can be up and running in no time. And that, you know, they're fairly cheap alternatives as well. So um, like there are a couple of of other ones out there, but they would be the three that I would recommend you go with for now. And in terms of SEO, they're the ones that would have the strong SEO in terms of that if you're going to invest in SEO, you're going to reap the rewards by using those particular platforms. Thank you so much, Sarah Jane. You're welcome. It was wonderful to have you. No problems. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Sarah Jane, check her out on LinkedIn and download her free SEO success roadmap. And there's a link in the show notes for you. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? Send me a message and I'll reply.